Well, good morning. Uh, we're starting uh, a new, uh, I guess, a new series. I, we're going to talk probably on the same subject that we usually talk about. And I just finished our series last week on teaching on uh, living as Holy Spirit. And this will be probably kind of a, conti a continuation of that. Uh, I want to teach what I've titled uh, the unforced rhythm of life. And also I want to talk about living above the perception of lack. Uh, we, we, we need to really know how to rise above the despair of living as man whose breath is in his nostrils. As Isaiah said, <clears throat> we've quoted that quite often, that verse. But men uh, for way too long have lived out of the five sense realm. Jesus came to reveal some things to us, some truth to us. And, you know, sadly, we're just now really getting to the place where people are waking up to that and are hungry for that. It's good to see all of you coming on this morning. So... If I start saying hi to all of you, I won't get this done. I have a lot to share today, but we are glad that you're with us today. And so again, we're teaching on uh, the unforced rhythm of life. And there is a rhythm of life that we really don't have to force. Uh, I don't want to jump ahead of myself. I do quite often, but I've talked about many times about our, the systems inside of our body, our lungs, our heart, our digestive system, or you know, whatever it is. We don't have to consciously think about those systems. They just function. Your heart beats without you thinking about it. Your lung takes breaths without you thinking about it. And so there is a rhythm of life that we want to talk about. And of course, that is our Holy Spirit. So as I teach this, <clears throat> quite often when I use the word it, I'm talking about our Holy Spirit or this rhythm of life that belongs to us. And the problem is <clears throat> there's a harmful sense uh, that has a death hold over many people and has for many, many years, and as we call it that false sense of lack. When you feel like you lack and you have this sense of lack, that sense controls your life and you see yourself as less than or you see yourself as lacking. And that's why we have fallen prey for many years to, to uh, the desire to do something to get or do something to please God or whatever. So I want to deal with this, uh, the cause of that sense, and then also... Uh, teach also, uh, we'll, we'll get more and more into this unforced rhythm of life that uh, is ours to live out of today. Uh, as I was putting this together yesterday, I've been thinking about this for about a week or so, uh, a key scripture that really uh, has jumped out to me and, uh, it, that I, and I've used a lot is John 10.10. As I grew up, uh, I've heard many preachers quote John 10.10, and they really misquoted it. And most of my youthful life, I've heard him say, the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come to bring life and life more abundantly. And so uh, Jesus said, literally, he didn't say it that way. He said the law was given to steal, kill, and destroy. So what did the law uh, steal? Well, the law stole uh, life because man was striving to get something they always had. When you're trying to follow the law, obey the law, it's always trying to please God, if you would, or trying to earn something. And then also the law required killing of animals. So there was a death there. Uh, but furthermore, uh, the most important part of this is the law killed and destroyed any chance of the followers of the law to experience an intimate oneness with Father God. If you're always trying to do to be or do to get something, then you're never going to experience that oneness and you're never going to obtain what, that, what, uh, what you're after because you already have it. It already belongs to you. 
life is a, a possession of ours that our Father gave us when he created us. Uh, I've said this many times, but God graced us with his life. He created man with life. So the, the last part of verse 10 did not say that Jesus came to bring life to us he, and life more abundantly. He, he, he said he came that life that we might have life. That you might have life. That's right. He didn't say to bring it. And all my life I've heard that we would bring it. And, the, and I'm going to show you the word have here in a minute. It doesn't mean it's something that you don't have that you can have. It's, it, it's, it's talking more about a possession. So if we only read what they translated in the English, one might believe that man did not have life before Jesus' passion. And I was one of those people. Uh, I talked to my friend Larry Hutcherson many years ago. I, I can see it just like it took place that day in a restaurant. And I was trying to explain to him that man did not have God's Holy Spirit in them until they got born again, because I believe that kind of religious teaching at that time. And so that's not true. Life is eternal. Life never ceases. Uh, life uh, life is, is a, a force that, I'm going to talk, that we're going to talk about here. So the phrase they might have is the Greek word number 4053, and it's E-C-H-O, and it means to hold in possession, ability, a continuity, a relationship, and a condition. So Jesus came that we could hold, that we can handle, that we can experience life, and that it would continue permanently. And so I believe I can safely say uh, that Jesus did not come to bring life, but Jesus came to reveal life to us, that we would possess that life and enjoy that life superabundantly, uh, excessively. These are some words when you look these, th these uh, translations up, it says superabundantly, excessively, violently, beyond measure of what has eternally been available for us today. That's a lot. I mean, if somebody was going to give me something that was superabundantly, it was beyond measure then I would say it would be eternal. It would be something that I can never run out of. Now, six more times in the written word, we find the phrase more abundantly uh, used by the Apostle Paul in his epistles. So his use of these words come from the Greek number 4054 and 4056. Number 4054 is P-E-R-I-S-S-O-T-E-R-O-N, and it's, it's more superabundant, in a more superabundant way. It's, uh, then it comes from the number 4056, I mean, uh, 40, 4056, and it's Pistorius, and it means more superabundantly. So we have these phrases, more abundantly, used seven times, once by Jesus, six times by the Apostle Paul. And I have to tell you, seven, and we know what it is, seven is the number of maturity and perfection. And I believe when we grasp hold of this unforced rhythm of life that is ours, as I taught in our previous series, our Holy Spirit, I believe that that is going to really cause us to live in this mature understanding of who we are and to really live out of who we are and get out of this realm of trying to cause something to happen, try to force something to happen, and to think it's our responsibility for it to take place. So once we can remove the false sense of lack, then the rhythm of life will flow naturally. Uh, not needing to be forced, not needing to be demanded. I remember in my younger years, I used to, you know, demand things to take place. I used to bind stuff. I used to rebuke stuff. I even had a time where my pastor told me that we, had to, we could demand God. 
But if it's a if it's a, a a rhythm of life that functions, why would we have to demand it? I don't look up into outer space and demand the planets to continue to orbit the Earth. I don't I don't speak to the sun and demand that it keeps shining. Uh, again, I don't speak to my lungs every morning and say, breathe, exhale, in, uh, inhale. I don't talk to my heart and tell it when to beat or not. It's something that's unforced. It's a rhythm of life, and that's our spirit. Uh, now, we know that there are five realms of life that we've lived in. All five were, and they continue to hinder, if you would, or be hindered by our mistaken identity. Uh, they're the spiritual realm, which is the really only real realm. But then there's a mental or awareness or intellect. There's a physical and there's a financial and there's a social realm. And because man has lived with a mistaken identity, all those realms have been affected. And then they've been influenced by the religious system, the political system, the financial system, the medical system, and the social system. They've all come up with an answer to fix these problems. And every one of them are anti-Christ or life, or I might say anti this, this unforced rhythm of life that's supposed to flow through us. So this rhythm of life throws, uh, flows through all creation and indeed throughout infinity. It, it is a constant pulsation of life uh, that all things form responds to from the start down to the very tiniest insect there is. The entire creation responds to this rhythm of life, even to the beat of your heart, as I said. All creation uh, fills it and lives by it, and it is our Holy Spirit. So you cannot see this rhythm, though. Uh, you, but you cannot see air, either. You cannot see uh, you cannot see the wind or whatever, but you can see the effects of it. You can feel the effects of his presence. So just like air, we depend on it for our very being. So the rhythm and the presence that formed all that we see and are, and this is the presence that holds all things together in perfect order. So that's really, really where people are trying to get to is perfect order, but we tried it with all kinds of efforts that come from man whose senses are in their nostrils, if you would, and we haven't really realized that we are perfect already in every way and every part of our being. So <clears throat> this perfect, perfect, uh, perpetual rhythm of life flows whether we realize it or not. This perpetual rhythm of life is there whether we realize it or not. Whether we experience it or not, it is still there. It's still part of our being. It's not subject to our opinions, uh, our beliefs of mankind, changeable, uh, they're they're substan as substantial as they are. They do not hinder this force from being there and being a reality. But to experience it, we have to know it. To experience it, we have to believe it. To experience it, we have to let. There's an that's important. Uh, Paul talked about, or John, I think it was said, "Let this same mind be in you." We have to let it. We have to allow the Spirit of God to function to uh, in uh, in us. So it is constant. It's perpetual. It's eternal it's unchangeable it responds to its own intelligence when i say it i'm talking about the holy spirit and it responds uh, responds to its own order so wherever it is life and beauty if allowed wherever it is life and beauty perfection and goodness will prevail in our life if allowed and to do that we have to practice because there's a great onslaught of 
of attacks out there, if you would, in the mental realm, there's a great onslaught of symptoms that come into our life that speak the opposite of the truth. And so we have to fight that good fight of faith and know who we are and understand that the force that's within inside of me is greater than anything that's on the outside of me. So the realization of this life does not bring experience. Uh, whether we realize it's present or not, the experience comes when we allow the glory within our vessel. Hey, Donna, my dog's in here eating up my wife's ink pen. I need to let her know to get it. So, all right. My dog likes ink pens. It's amazing how she likes to do that. So we realize that uh, as we look out upon, if you would, the stars of the galaxy, and we see the order of the planets, we see the orbits of how they go around the planet, we see the seasons, they come, they go, there's something that's causing that to take place. It just, just didn't happen. There is a force. I believe when God spoke and said, let there be light, I believe that force is eternal and that light is forever and forever. And contrary to what science says, I believe the sun will never burn out. I believe in the seasons. I believe the seasons were there to show us things and to reveal things to us, just like winter. It's a time when things go dormant. It's a time when people uh, withdraw in quietness and stillness and to replenish our thoughts and clear our hearts of, if you would, the foolishness, uh, foolishness and the clamor of this human kind of consciousness only to enjoy newness of life. And that's represented by spring. It emerges out from this time of reflection. So these are ways that God replenishes the earth and these are ways that we can replenish ourselves. We can, we can bring ourselves to this place where we can live, live out of this infinite intelligence of our Holy Spirit or God. Our Holy Spirit speaks to us. Our Holy Spirit imparts wisdom and our Holy Spirit imparts understanding. Yes. So that eventually leads us to know who Father is. And it also leads us to this place where we can experience this intimate oneness with God or this relationship with our Father. That's right. So reflecting up on this current of life or rhythm, then we can consider the animals. And I've thought about this many times. Each animal follows a certain pattern. Uh, last week, uh, I think it was Judy Vandenberg uh, wrote on Facebook and asking about why all the monarch butterflies are here. Well, monarch butterflies, every year, they come from the northern part of the United States in the fall and they head to Mexico. Who tells them to do it? What's within them to cause them to know to go to their breeding fields in Mexico? It's this rhythm of life. It's God. It's God that was planted inside of them. Who tells birds to, do, to, to, to go certain directions? Like there's one that's called the Arctic Turn. I studied it years ago. But a certain time every year they take off over the Antarctic and they head to their breeding ground. And if they don't, know the, if they don't fly the exact direction that they're supposed to they will miss it very quickly and they all die but every year they make it right to that spot how do they know to do that there's something within inside of them i like to call it a global positioning system and it's the it's the holy spirit it's the spirit of god that's in every creation that's, that was formed by god yes. so <clears throat> uh I, I looked up a verse this morning in psalms at psalm 145 15 and it says, he opens his hand and satisfies the desire of every living creature. So this unforced rhythm of life influences, directs, 
maintains and sustains all things created from the creatures to the plants to the trees to mankind. And if we could only realize that about ourselves, that I don't have to maintain myself. Now, I'm not saying that I can go out and just do what I want and eat what I want and all that stuff that won't hinder me. But I'm telling you, I, I can come to this place where I don't have to worry. I know that there's a force within inside of me. I know that it's unforced. I know that I don't have to force it. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to demand it. I can get to this place where I can just relax and allow this rhythm of life to function in me just like it does in my organs. It can function in my entire being and my brain and bring me to that place that, I, that the scripture calls rest. God said, as I live, in the book of Hebrews, Paul wrote this, as I live, there will be a people that will enter into my rest. And I believe that rest is just to being able to relax, let go, and let God. And I don't mean let God up there do something. I mean let God in me be God, be God to me and be my life and be my, my, my source. So this rhythm of life is an energy. It's intelligent. It's wise. It's constant. It's perpetual. And it formed all that is invisible and it fills all things, determines the existence of all. It determines the existence of all. So I don't even have to worry about who I am or who I'm going to be or what I'm going to be because I know that I am that I am. I am that God has created me to be. And as Sister K. Fairchild likes to say, I'm living in the isness of God. I'm living in the isness of God. So another point is it is the law of spirit and life. As I pointed out in teaching on how to live as Holy Spirit, it is our chi, C-H-I, which is our life source, our essence, our inner self. It is our Holy Spirit. Now, interesting, the, the, uh, the, the word root, uh, for uh, the root word for breath is the same root word for spirit or air, if you would. It's P-N-E-U-M-O. So just as air fills space, Holy Spirit fills every void that you think that you might have, but you have to make room for it. Any place that there is an opening or an uh, air comes into that. So I say any place that there is an opening, Holy Spirit fills that. And so again, we must allow, we must allow the Holy Spirit to fill. Uh, I want to say this, right? We must allow the Holy Spirit to fill this vacuum that been carnally mindful has created, and that would be in our conscious awareness. And it's important for us to allow that. Paul said, be ye transformed by the renewing mind. So that's something that we have a choice. If we want to continue to be conformed to the world system, then we're going to get what we always got. But if we decide that we're going to allow our Holy Spirit to fill this vacuum up here and fill it with life and fill it with understanding and no longer be mindful of carnal things, but be mindful of that which is spirit, then we live, then we move, then we have our being. And scripture says that God lives and moves and has his being in us. So what do we want? We want to live and move and have our being out of our Holy Spirit of who we are. And so does all creation. So contrary to what some believe, we're not left alone to fend for ourselves. A lot of people think we're just on this planet and, and there's no power, there's no God, and we're just here to fend for ourselves. And we can see very well that man has not done a very good job at that. 
We can look at the systems of the earth again. Uh, we've had a big political upheaval here in the United States, and we can see how it, it's just not working. Man trying to do it apart from God, it never works. Man trying to heal apart from God, it will not work. Man trying to tell you how to gain wealth apart from God, it will not work because there is only one intelligence, and it is God Almighty. So we come to understand the nature of this life flow by what it is and what it has made. And again, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> let me get some tea. <clears throat> Don and I just came back from Michigan a few weeks ago and it was a lot of rainy there and a lot of plants and it affected our, our sinuses really big. So we've been struggling with that just a little bit. But back what I said, we can understand the nature of this life flow. And again, what is this life flow? It's God. Hi, Sandy Hibbard. It's our life, for, our life force. Some people say universe. Some people say other things, but it's, it's, it's God. It's, and, and God is not a man that we could see God. God is spirit. And so we are spirit. So what we do to understand the creator, all we have to do is look at creation. Does that make sense? Ma'am? It's one of the ways. It's one of the ways. So you know, the Bible says that all creation reveals God, reveals the glory of God, if you would. We are the glory of God. So therefore, throughout this vast expanse of visible creation, we begin to know, we begin to feel, we, need, we begin to realize that constant presence of this rhythm of life that flows. In moments of quietness and stillness, you can feel it. You know, I, I used to go hunt a lot. I used to go out into the woods. We used to walk through the woods. And I was just, I loved uh, seeing creation. I loved seeing the trees, the birds, hearing the sounds. I could literally feel the presence of life. And I knew that it was God. But in stillness, we can do that. And we, we realize then that we are amid it. We are part of it, the Holy Spirit, our Holy Spirit. We're part of it. We're created by the flow of spirit. Soon, it becomes more real to us than that which we see. And that's what we're trying to get to, is what we see needs to conform to what really is instead of what this physical realm has presented it to, to us. So soon, it becomes more real to the us, and we know that we, we are truly alive, and that it is alive as it flows through us. And again, I'm saying Holy Spirit, correct? So what happens? It brings life to every cell of our being, every organ, every system, every nook, every cranny, uh, cranny <laughs> every crevice of our body, whatever you want to call it, our minds, our thoughts, our, our emotions. It establishes and maintains order. It establishes our life. It brings divine health to every cell of our being. And that's what we're after. So no more do we look to our bodies to bring life by in and of itself. No longer do we look to our bodies to bring health by itself. We realize that there is a force inside of my body. Yes. Amen? Yes. You can't just speak to your body and demand that it be whole or whatever. <laughs> what you do is you allow this force to flow through us. And it brings an infinite life to us. God did not create man to die. Now, just because we look with our eyes and we see every person dying, we see people, you know, sick and we see people diseased, that is not 
what this force, this force created for man. And how do I know that? Because I look at the universe. The sun is not going to perish. The planets are not going to perish. The planets have always stayed in the orbit that they were put in. Everything that God created created out there lives. And man, uh, Isaiah said, I see man uh, living as long as trees, if you would. And trees live a long, long time. Isaiah also said, I created this earth to be inhabited forever. And yet there's a group of people out there that says there will be a day that man will not exist on this planet anymore. I don't believe that. I believe we're here. I believe God created us to be here, but we're going to be, we're, we're going to get to this place when we're more than just flesh and blood, but literally we are spirit beings ruling and reigning and maintaining this earth. Also, we won't make the mistake of thinking that anything made can live out from itself, separate, independent. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, if you look that word up, he was saying, me, myself, and I is finished. Man no longer has to live independent from God. Paul said it's no longer I. When you look that word I up, it's ego. It's me, myself, and I. But the life that I now live, he said, is Christ. And actually, he should have said the life that I now live is out of my spirit. He no longer lives independent from God. And so that's the problem people don't believe and you know that's all right if they don't believe there's still a, a, a rhythm of life there's still a spirit that's inside of them they just don't believe it but people think that it's just them all by themselves, and they have to make it on their own and it's just not working it never has worked so we don't depend on outward help for our strength our health our our well-being and what is that outward health it's the systems of this earth the systems of this earth have tried to take care of us physically, mentally, physically, socially, financially, but all they've done is produce temporal things. It produces fear, right? Uh, I'm ahead of myself here a little bit, but all you got to do is look at their commercials. Their commercials uh, produce fear that we're going to be out of money. The, the per, uh, their commercials produce fear that if we don't take this pill or that pill, that we're going to die and we're going to perish. It just goes on and on and on. The political arena, if we don't vote for this president or that president or this senator or that senator, they all have their own genders, agendas, and they all think that, that if, we, if we go after them, everything's going to be just perfect, and we know that it's not true. So we don't want to live independent from God. We have a source. I was asking Donna uh, before I was, I was going through these notes before I started, and I remember one of my uh, grandchildren, uh, Ethan, one time we were telling him what to do here at the house and he was always fighting to be very independent as a young man. And he, he said, he looked at me and he said, you're not the boss of me. And, you know, I thought that's what a child does. A child would say to a parent or a person authority, you're not the boss of me because they're always fighting for independence, right? The minute they're able to say yes or no, they're going to say no and they don't want you to tell them no. And they're, all, they're trying to grow up on their own and be independent of mom and daddy, even though they need mom and daddy today. And so I say a child-minded person that is not aware of this, their, their, uh, their creator, not aware of this force of life within them, they're always fighting to say, you're not the boss of me, I can do what I want, I, and and I'll tell you, it's so easy to say and see it doesn't work at all. And say, so all, I, all I knew, all I thought most of my life uh, about life and death was a belief that we're responsible for it. 
I grew up in a place where our, many times I've heard, well, you, that person's sick because they're sinning or that person's broke because they're not giving enough tithing. And the list can go on and on and on. I was taught if I were sick, it was my fault. If I was healthy and fit, then it was because I ate correctly. We hear that today and exercise often. So people tell you if you eat correctly and you exercise, you're going to live a long, long time. Well, I'm in the funeral industry. And I happen to tell you, I've seen many people in caskets that were fit, were trim, they exercised, they ran, they were healthy, but they still died of a heart attack or they still died of something else. In fact, when I first started in the funeral industry, one of the first young men that I participated in uh, and the, the funeral arrangement, everything, he was 18 years old, a football player, muscular, uh, took care of himself, exercised every day, ate well, but still had a heart attack. Wow. So... That's not my source of how good I can take care of myself. Although I still believe in taking care of myself. I still want to eat healthy. I want to cooperate with life. But my source and your source is this, this rhythm of life with, with inside of us, which is the very spirit of God. This rhythm of life with inside of us can give us intellectual understanding of what we should do and how we should eat and things like that. But it's because I ate correctly, I thought I was doing well, and the credit and the fault became my own. And see, that's, you're not the boss of me. And it gives me credit for it. And I spent most of my life trying to fix what was wrong. I spent most of my life trying to fix what was broken. I spent most of my life trying to actually produce a general responsibility to the outcome. So there came what? Condemnation. It's your own fault, right? So we were taught that the body is very fragile and we were taught that that we were apt to come apart at any moment often without any warning at all does that sound familiar that's what we see on tv all day long so this is called human intervention and the entire medical financial political and religious world exists and functions with this thought and with this fear because without fear none of these systems will continue if you, don't, if you don't listen to what they say to you and you don't fall prey to what they say to you, then you will be free from what they offer you because what they offer you brings no permanence of life whatsoever. So the entire world thought is an, exp is an expression of this belief that we have to do something about ourselves and that it's our responsibility. Within this atmosphere of thought, we have no trust in. We have no confidence. We have no understanding of what life is all about. Last week, <clears throat> the last couple of months, uh, some of you heard me make some references to it. I've been having some uh, symptoms in my body. I've been very weak for about a year or so and having pain. And so I finally decided that I was going to go to a doctor and have my back checked because I thought it was a pinched nerve. Well, my doctor wanted me to go to have a CT scan, so I go to have a CT scan. And uh, they wanted to do another CT scan. And so they did that, and they came up with some possible symptoms in my body to the point that I was referred to an oncologist and then referred to a surgeon. And the surgeon uh, looked at the CT scan, decided what he was going to do, so they did an exploratory surgery on my abdomen, laparoscopic. Uh, he didn't see what he thought he should see, but he did a biopsy. And so when he was done with me, he came out, they called me with a report and thank God there was no cancer, no lymphoma at all. 
but what he said is pretty much he said, that's all I can do. And I said, well, what do I do now? And he said, well, just go back to your family practitioner, you know, because <laughs> there's only so much they can do, you know, and I've been praying about this and, and, and uh, I just said, Lord, I, you're the only one I can depend on. You can't depend on these systems of the earth. I'm not against doctors. I'm not against bankers. I'm not against politicians. But I'm telling you, they're only limited in what they can do. And they're just going to send you to another one and another one and another one. And like I jokingly say, if you keep going to doctors and keep going to hospitals, the last thing they're going to do is pronounce you dead. If you keep going to bankers for loans, the last thing they're going to do is pronounce you what? Bankrupt. You know? And so... I'm really interested, and I hope you are too, in learning more and more about this unforced rhythm of life. I don't have to force it. I just have to relax and rest. You know, just like the story of the scripture that says, receive with meekness the engrafted word of God. And the Father showed me this. I wanted to, to be able to explain this many years ago. And the Lord showed me this as a man and a woman trying to conceive a child. And the woman's so stressed out about it. She takes the medicine. She takes her temperature. There's a certain time they come together and you name it. And she never produces the child because she's always worried about it. She's not relaxed. And so she gives up and she adopts the child. She's comfortable with that. And so she's enjoying making love with her husband again. And next thing what happens, she gets pregnant because she entered into rest. She quit trying to work. And that's what we want, we want to do is enter into rest with who we are and this unforced rhythm of life inside of us that it's its responsibility to produce life, not me, not anybody else. And so uh, I have lived in this complex and disordered thought a lot of my life uh, where we're, uh, we were, we thought we were supposed to fix ourselves, but the truth is we were not. And I'm not against counseling. I believe in counseling. I believe in scriptural counseling. I was asked to write a course for Global Grace Seminary or a particular you know, a session, and I did. But I told them on there, the quickest thing you can do is listen to their problem and then do not discuss their problem anymore. Teach them who they are. Some people didn't like that because they want to deal with a problem. But dealing with a problem does not help people. Teaching people who they are, that's the real problem, is us not knowing who we are. And so um, we're not supposed to fear that which we think can hurt us. Uh, we're not supposed to feel threats that, if, you know, that we're not going to have enough. And that's where this sense of lack comes that has robbed us and destroyed us. Uh, we, 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 real, we, we need to realize that what we were constantly told in our life has affected us. We constantly tell our kids, our family, our friends to be careful all the time. Well, you know what that means? It means to be fearful. If you look up careful, it means to be fearful. How can one possibly trust life when life obviously cannot be trusted at all? Just li again, listen to the news. They, they are all fear-based. Take a pill. Buy gold and silver. I mean, you cannot turn... Uh, TV on or radio on without you hearing, man, the economy is going to crash. You need to buy gold and silver. You need to buy gold and silver. Well, I wonder about that sometimes because I think if gold and silver is going to go up so much, why do they want us to buy it and give them dollars for it? You know, and then vote for this person, you know, and the church says get saved or else. Everything's based on fear. And so it was from this frame of thought that Father brought me to the experience of the knowledge or more importantly, the feeling of life.
and life eternal. Uh, everywhere I went after I began to realize and, and think, you know what, there's got to be more than this. And it happened a long time ago. It began in 1988. It really be started in 1996. And by 2003, I just began to hear questions inside of me. There's something more. There's something more. I wasn't happy with penal substitution. And I thank God that Kay started teaching the no penal substitution. And it really brought a lot of answers to me. And so all of a sudden, everywhere I look, right in front of my eyes is truth. Uh, the Lord led me to certain books that I begin to read and, and listen to certain teachers. And then in movies, you know, Don and I go to movies often and I see truth in those movies. Uh, I've heard some sermons and even God's creation. There's a, there's a, there was a burning inside of me uh, that drove me to an awakening that I didn't cause, but Father caused in me. And now life is everywhere. Everywhere I look is life. Now I've learned when I look at people, I see life. I can look at what the world says would be the worst person in the world, and I see life in them. I see one. I see myself because we are all one. With all their glory, all their brilliance, all their clarity, all the purity of God's love, we can see that if we choose to see life, if we choose to love people and realize that all people are good. All people are good. All people have perfection. When we do that, then it begins to burst forth in our judgment of people. Uh, there, there, we, then we realize there's only one power. There's only one God. There's only one spirit. And there's only one body. So for me to speak evil of another person, then I'm speaking evil of me. Because we're all one. I am that life. I am is that life. I am who God. God is that life. Holy Spirit is that life. But also, I am Holy Spirit, and you are Holy Spirit, and we are life. Everything exists as a manifestation of that life. <clears throat> so the whole experience of life is electrifying. You know, I've been in uh, Pentecostal meetings, and many of you, I'm sure you have, but I remember getting the goosebumps and they're real. They were real. They're experiences. And it is electrifying. I've had times where I felt like fire was just flowing all through me. I've had times where I, uh, back in those days where we were praying for people and literally it felt like wind blowing against us. I don't know if you remember one day, Donna, we were praying for some people down front and literally we all felt like a gush of wind came off of the stage. It's life. So when this takes place to a person, literally you begin to see life in everything. And it's important for us to see life. I'm going to point this out in a minute, but I'm leading up to something here. Not just visible, though. I don't, it doesn't have to be visible to me with my physical eyes, but I begin to see with my spiritual eyes. And when I see with my spiritual eyes, that which I see is true. I don't see what the visible is projecting to me. When, when people come to me and I look with my visible eyes, if you would, I see age, I see problems, I see disease, I see whatever it is. I, but, but when I look with my spiritual eyes, I see beauty, I see wholeness, I see the glory of God. You know, I, I've had many times where I'll look at somebody, that some people look at them, think they're ugly, and I just see beauty. I see that person is beautiful. Where does that come from? It comes from seeing uh out of your spirit and not with just your physical eyes. 
So what happens then is this life is govern, uh, governing presence. It's governing the very presence of God. And it fills all the forms and gives it beauty. And so, yes, I, uh, people tell me that I take pictures of interesting things. Well, I see beauty in that. We went to an old barn the other day, and I was taking pictures of old ropes and ladders. And most people would think it was just trash, but to me it was beautiful. Uh, the girls went to another place with us, a farmer's market. I took pictures of tomatoes and zucchinis and, and different things like that because I saw beauty. I see art in everything. I could go to a trash dump and take pictures of things, and I think it's art because I see beauty in that. So see, God sees us greater than I see us. Father God looks at every person, every being on planet earth. And what does God see? He sees himself because he is the essence of all beauty. He, we are the glory of God, not just me and you, but everyone is the glory of God. So we want this life to be our governing force. We want this life. We want to allow Holy Spirit, which is called she, which is our essence, our life force. We must allow that to be our driving force. And the most important place it needs to be a driving force is right up here in our thoughts. And even though I know a lot, and I know I do, I, I, I don't know everything, but I know a whole lot, there's still a battle sometimes up there because symptoms can yell at you really f loud and they can really get you. Just like today, I, you can probably tell I'm still fairly weak. I just had uh, instruments go into me last Monday and I haven't healed from that. But I'm telling you, I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not allowing <clears throat> anything to come against me. I'm not allowing any thought. I'm not allowing any diagnosis. I'm not allowing it to come against me because I know I am filled with the very glory of God. And you are filled with the very glory of God. You lack nothing. So Father God is not separate from anything, right? If we talk about creation, God is not separate from the universe because God created the universe. God is not separate from the birds because God created the birds. God is not separate from trees because God created trees and God created man. So God is not separate from us. We're not separate from God whatsoever. So guess what? There is no need to pray and ask God to fix anything. And that's hard for people. There's no need for me to pray and ask God to heal me. My need is to have a conversation with God and be, a, be thankful for who I am and just say, Father, I thank you that I know who I am. And Father, I thank you that you're helping me to learn more and more of you and me and our union to the point that I allow your, your, your life to be a rhythm that functions unforced. I don't have to force it. I don't have to push it. Everything uh, has life in it already. Everything has life in it already. So I have to say, my entire thought system, my entire belief system has taken a radical shift. A radical shift. Pieces of the puzzle uh, have fallen into place for many others and me. And now I understand things that I've read in the Bible in the past which made no sense at all, and now it makes perfect sense, and I understand it. The things that is most important to me is that now I understand how it was that Jesus healed people. I brought this up in our last series, but how did Jesus heal the sick? How did he heal suffering people? He always saw life. That's how he did it. Not the image, just 
images of sick, uh, uh, not to images of sad humans that came to him. He's, what he saw never changed. From one person to the other, it never changed. He always saw life. Jesus saw man the way they were. And that's important to us. The life of all things God maintains. And he, he chose to see beyond what was believed. See, we come and we believe something that's spoken of us. So we present ourselves that way. And then we expect people to minister over us by what we tell them we believe we are. And if they don't have that ability to see past that and see us for who we are, it's nigh impossible to minister to one another. And then what do we do? We start depending on healings and miracles. And I've been really, I've had many thoughts about this in the past, but if somebody is prayed over and instantly they are no longer sick again, that is not a miracle, that is normal. That's what we've got to understand. That is normal. It should be normal for us to not be sick, not to be weak, not to lack. That's the normal life. It's not a miracle if all of a sudden I, I, I just rise up and I have no more symptoms in my body. I didn't receive a miracle. I had a thought change, a thought process change because it's our thoughts that hinder us. If we think the wrong things and we identify with the wrong things, then we allow those things into our life. And so what we're doing here is we're changing our intellect. We're changing our understanding where it conforms to how God thinks. It conforms to the very spirit of God. Jesus traveled through fallen human-minded experience of man knowing what no one else knew. He was the only man on planet earth that was fully aware of who he was and who God was and who everyone else was. And so because of that, he was able to minister out of that knowledge. And that's what we want to do. And so he came to teach this to all mankind. Nothing needed to be fixed, only seen correctly. Does that make sense? Nothing needed to be fixed, but only seen correctly. What we call a healing was what Jesus saw as an ever-present reality. You're not sick. You're not diseased. It is just a symptom of not knowing who you are. Now, of course, Jesus saw with his eyes what everyone else saw, but he did not agree with it. You see, without faith, it's impossible to agree with God. So if we don't put our faith in what God said from the foundation of the world, and if we don't put our faith in what Jesus came to reveal, then we can't agree with God that no weapon formed against me can prosper. We cannot agree with God that we are whole and righteous and perfect in every area of our life. See, he knew that life was the real issue here, not what we see, not what we experience, not what we believe, but he knew life. Man did, did not understand the life that they have. There's a lot of people that come to the United States of America from other parts of the world. Some of them come understanding that they've been given a new life. They take advantage of it and they become very successful. But then some come and they believe there's a system out there that's going to take care of them. And it's the government's responsibility to take care of them. And they never really experience the life that you can experience in the United States of America. Same thing is true spiritually. If we're not taught that we're spirit, and we're not taught that we're Holy Spirit, then we're never going to experience this life and life, or excuse me, handle or uh, enjoy the life 
abundantly that Jesus came to reveal to us that is ours already. We can have it and still not experience it. So here's the big question. Do we experience these things because we first believe that our lives are fragile and subject? Do we experience sickness and disease because we believe that our life is fragile? I believe it is true. I believe, you know, when we have a child, and I've, I mentioned this in our uh, living as Holy Spirit, when we, when we have a baby born, they start giving it shots. They start giving it all kinds of stuff. They look at it to make sure that it's got all of its toes and its fingers. There's, just all, there's this fear that's built into us that we're not going to be born perfect, but we are perfect. And so, but what we do is we become subject to the afflictions, subject to the afflictions. So what was written on our book of life? What was written on us when we were a child? What was written on us when we were teenagers and then adults? What was it we heard over and over and over? Is it that these many written beliefs allow things to appear? I believe it does. I believe if, as a man thinks in his conscious awareness, so is a realization. I had uh, several people write me last week again about my book on simple answers to what seemed to be difficult questions. And they begin to tell me how they've seen these entities and seen that. And I was able to communicate with them and talk to them and explain to them that whatever you believe, you project right out of your eyes. You see it. If I believe that if I get up in the morning and I believe that Donna's mad at me and I believe that, you know, whatever it is, and I believe it, I believe it, then I'm going to see it all day long, whether she's mad at me or not, because that's what I believe. And so if I believe that I, I'm a barely get alone person, if I believe I'm liable to die, which means mortal, liable to die minded, then that's what I'm going to experience. So we need our beliefs corrected. And that's what we've been doing for quite a while. With what, uh, with what eyes are we able to see life? We've got to see with our spiritual eyes. When we see with our spiritual eyes, we see beauty, we see perfection, we see, we see eternality, if you would. So as I said a minute ago, healings are not miracles, but they're, they're natural they're the natural consequences of knowing life as it truly is. When we know who we are, every part of our being will be swallowed up of life. Healings are not, uh, are not uh, corrections that appear, but simply the removal of one thought and a replacement of another. Does that make sense? Healings are not corrections. They're the removal of one thought and the adding a replacement of another. Even though we don't always see perfect, it's always there. And remember when Judy wrote that song, it's just one thought away. I use that phrase. It's just one thought away. And so I would say if there's something going on in my life that does not fit the truth, then I need to deal with what I'm thinking. I need to deal with some of the thoughts that are still up there. I need to deal with what I'm listening to and also who I'm listening to. Another song Judy wrote is who told you that? Who are you listening to? You're not naked. You wear a righteous suit. No, it's not that you don't care. You're not denying it, you know. No, I mean, it comes off that people don't care when they say things like, you know, who are you listening to or... Like, who doesn't care? You've got, you've got to get to that place where it doesn't matter what they say. If it doesn't, if it doesn't agree with what the Spirit of God says, then I don't care what they say. I, I'm not going to listen to what they're saying. Now, if it's somebody coming to me with a symptom, I'm going to listen and I'm going to care. But what I'm going to say, I used to say, I don't, my dad corrected me a long time ago. I used to say, I don't care what, 
But, it, but what my dad said is, this is how you say it. It doesn't matter. The truth is. It does, it, we do care that you're having a problem. We do care that you're sick or whatever it is, but it doesn't matter as far as what the truth is because the truth is greater than what the symptoms are, are saying. I care that people are hurting. I care that people are suffering, but, I'm, but that does not negate the truth. The truth is that's a lie. The truth is that doesn't belong to you whatsoever. So it's only the false image or thought it's a false image and it's, a, it's a, a false thought that we have received. If you receive it, then you, you, you allow it into your life. If people speak ill of me and, and I receive what they said, then it's going to affect me greatly. And that's why Jesus told the disciples when they went into the cities and they were preaching the good news, they rejected him and spoke evil of them. He said, wipe the dust off your feet. What he was saying is don't receive the poison. Yes, it's poison, but you don't have to receive it. Yes, I have some symptoms in my body that's causing pain and weakness, but I'm not going, to, I'm not receiving it. I'm not identifying with it. It's not me. It doesn't belong to me. And as, as I continue to feed on the truth, I believe the symptoms will digress and digress and digress where they're completely gone. So again, it's only the false image of thought and whatever we image we see whatever Im we image, we can literally produce in the earth today because our imagination was given to us as a powerful tool to imagine the things of God, but we've imagined the wrong things. So in closing, we need to realize that life is not what we're doing. Life is not what we're doing, but the presence of an uninterruptible uh, interruptible rhythm and unseen and an invisible spiritual presence revealing itself as and through all that it has made. God Almighty has revealed himself through everything that's made. The whole earth reveals the very glory of God. So we, we can then allow it to reveal itself to us. And how does God need to reveal, us, re reveal himself to us? As us. We need to let God show to us that we are God in a body. He reveals himself through our entire being. Then there truly will, will appear oneness between God and man. And the prayer of Jesus will be fulfilled. He said that they may be one as we are one, we in them and them in us, one. Perfect God, perfect man, perfect life, flowing in perfect, uh, perfect rhythm, establishing and maintaining perfect order everywhere Holy Spirit is seen and acknowledged. And the, the sad fact to me is so many people have been so hurt in church today, so hurt by religion, so hurt by what their parents did or didn't do or said to them that they turn around and they deny God. And you know what? It's all right. You can deny God. God will never deny you. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. You can call God the universe if you want to. You can have all kinds of names for God. You can call God Buddha. You can have all kinds of names, but God is God. And there's only one God. There's only one power and one spirit. And God will never leave you. And he'll never quit talking to you. And all he wants you to do is open up and experience the very glory that you are. And I believe that that's important for us to understand. And so as we continue this study, I wanna, I'm going to talk to, about some of these mistaken identities, some of these false senses of lack and how to rid yourself and eradicate yourself from those things so you can allow this unforced rhythm of life 
to flow in you just like your heart beats every day, day in, day out, without you ever taking a thought. Jesus said, consider the lilies of the field. They don't toss, they don't twirl, they don't try. They just sit there and they draw from their roots and they create beauty. I think that's why I like plants. My, if you've never seen pictures of my garden outside, I've got, I have beautiful plants. I've got banana trees, elephant ears. I've got a mum plant that I don't know how it got so big, but it's the biggest mum I've ever seen. It's probably almost four foot across, three foot tall. And I'm telling you, it just radiates life. And I just sit there and look at these things and they, I plant them in the ground. I give them water, a little fertilizer, the sun shines and they just grow and they grow and they grow. It's that easy. So it's unforced. There's no effort to it. It's just believing. Jesus always said over and over and over, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? And he said, your faith has made you whole. I believe he's saying your faith has allowed you to experience the fact that you're whole already. So we love you. We bless you. Thank you for being here uh, next week. I know I'll have a little more strength here and I'll, won't, I'll be able to minister this with more clarity, but I hope you uh, hope you're blessed what I said today. So God bless you. Thank you.